Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, guys. We'll get to film study in just a minute, but I got to share this with you. Do you know what that sound is? It's the sound of me opening up my fresh can of Liquid Death. Make sure you guys are checking out Liquid Death. I love it. I've been drinking a ton of it lately. There's something magical about it. Somehow the water in a can just seems colder than any bottle I've used before. Make sure you're checking out Liquid Death. Pick it up next time you're at the grocery store. I love it. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here for this week's Know Your Foe episode, the Cincinnati Bengals coming to town on Sunday Night Football, and Mike Santagata is here to join us. Uh, Mike, how you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. How are you doing? Uh, no complaints. Uh, well, not any that don't relate to the Buffalo game anyway at this point, but uh, Mike, we've uh, got a huge AFC North game coming up. Let's first of all tell people, though, where they can talk football with you, whether it's Twitter or wherever you want to be followed. Yeah, follow me on Twitter. That's really the only social media, Bengals underscore Sands, S-A-N-S. Uh, love talking football, so anybody, doesn't matter about division or anything like that. So anybody who wants to talk football, just let me know, DMs or through replies. All right, DMs are open then, I take it, right? Yep. Okay, fantastic. That's always a good good practice if you're doing one of these shows anyway. Uh, and do, do you have a pod of your own? Yeah, I do now. Uh, just this year, it's always game day in Cincinnati. So that comes out three times a week. Uh, catch it on any of your streaming platforms, although we're not on YouTube right now. All right. Very good. Uh, so let's just open this up and and tell us kind of the story of the Bengals offseason, if you will. Uh, some of the big moves, uh, the draft, uh, development 
in, in terms of what you want to talk about there, but let's start wherever you like. Yeah, we'll start with the free agents because I think this was something that the Bengals thought they fixed and it's been a little up and down, but the offensive line, four new starters, but from free agency, you've got Lyle Collins at right tackle, Alex Cap at right guard, and Ted Karras at center. All new faces for the Bengals offensive line, which they knew and everybody knew it was a problem last year, even though they made the Super Bowl um, up and down. I liked what Lyle Collins did in Dallas, and I haven't liked what he did in Cincinnati so far, but he missed all of training camp with a back injury, and he is missing practice with the back injury. So I think it could be back injury related. Alice Kappa, he was pretty good in Tampa. He's been pretty good in Cincinnati. Ted Karras, solid, smart leader of a center. Really like what he's able to bring, even if it's not to the level of play as like uh, maybe even Alex Kappa, but he's still giving a good baseline and he seems to be a good centerpiece of uh, the offensive line. So I, I'm, I'm noticing Cincinnati has the incredible luxury of having played the same offensive linemen all of their snaps so far this year. Yes, they have been lucky in that regards that even though these guys are all new, they are gaining chemistry together and communication from being able to actually play together and not be injured. All right. Well, how about the draft? Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that and uh, who the Bengals got. Yeah. So the starter uh, is left guard Cordell Volson. He's the only guy from the draft that's playing a lot of snaps. I uh, think he's doing an all right job for a rookie. It's for a rookie. So it's probably below average for what you would expect for a starter, but it's fine. It looks like he can be a solid contributor, Clint Bowling for the Bengals type down mm -hmm. the line. Um, other than that, I mean, they drafted Daxton Hill, but he's kind of barely played as a third safety. And they also like on their dime packages to use Trey Flowers instead of him to cover tight ends. Uh, he seems more like the Bates replacement for next year. Cam gotcha. Taylor, Br Cam Taylor Britt off of, uh, IR. Sweet. I did, I did want to ask a question about Hill. If, if you're, if you're coming to a natural stop there, but, uh, Hill, uh, guy I loved in terms of, in, in terms of the draft. Uh, it's interesting that the Bengals seem to be going through the same thing that the Ravens went. Uh, uh, Daxton Hill taken towards the end of the first round, of course, at 31, I think, right? And and Hamilton was taken at 14. But the Ravens are having some difficulty getting Han Kyle Hamilton on the field. Uh, he's playing dime snaps. Uh, the only other way he really is getting on the field currently is if the other team goes to 12 personnel and they get a big nickel on. Is there any kind of special package that Hill will play in? Does he only really play dime, or what does he get on the field? Yeah, it's really just dime. And when they sometimes when they go dime <clears throat> against good tight ends, they like to use Trey Flowers instead. So he hasn't played too many snaps. He's up to uh, 14 on the year, not mm. too many, uh, just a few every game. And he's blitzed. He's done some coverage underneath. Not a lot of man, a lot of zone type stuff, but loved him in the draft. When I watched him, I thought this guy's really versatile. He could fit and move him in here do whatever you want with him but uh it seems like they enjoy trey flowers as their dime defensive back a little bit more just for the consistency that a veteran can give you yeah well welcome to the world of having less draft capital than other teams when when you draft towards the bottom of the first round it's definitely a a, a new kind of a situation obviously and I'm, I'm not trying to you know beat on you in terms of being a Bengals fan but the Bengals have had good good draft picks in the last few years um it's a uh, cap situation currently. Uh, what's the what's the Bengals' current kind of position? I'm really talking about flexibility of the cap as much as I'm talking about available cap dollars and 23 in particular. 
This year, they always keep a little bit rolled over, even when they have to sign guys. So long-term, though, I mean, up this season, you've got Jesse Bates. I don't think he's coming back. I think that's why they signed Daxton Hill, like I Mm -hmm. mentioned. Uh, Von Bell also up. So both starting safeties are up. And I think they'll find a way to bring Bell back because losing both safeties could be pretty disastrous for an offseason. Then you've got Eli Apple, who... I mean, that's a surprising development, right? Because he went from complete flame out of the league into his last, what was kind of his last stop was Cincinnati. And he's been a solid second corner, really physical guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Hayden Hurst, who I didn't mention at the top as a free agent signing, but he's been a pretty solid tight end, runs hard. He's also, he was a one-year deal. So he's up after the season. If they want to keep a veteran tight end, they'd have to look towards him. They didn't draft any rookies. Then... <laughs> Baltimore favorite, Jermaine Pratt, finally up for his contract. Who knows if he stays? I don't know. Uh, but he has turned his career around a bit. He's, a, I think you could describe him as a solid linebacker at this point. Played really well in the playoffs. Had the game-sealing interception against the Raiders. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pro Football Focus had him as their best linebacker uh, in the Super Bowl since they started grading that, which was pretty really? crazy to me. <laughs> I know. It, it seemed a little over the top, but I'll take it. And uh, long-term, long-term, like you could do this next year or T Higgins and Joe Burrow, two guys. I think that if you want to get a deal done early, you could sign that next year, next off season, but it wouldn't take effect until the year after whatever, but those are cornerstones. So hopefully they can get T because it is the same agent as Bates. So they've had their disconnect there. Who knows if it'll persist into T Higgins contract. So that is a uh, the borough contract is an interesting one. I've, I've I've heard various sources who have connections to agents around the NFL saying that if they were asking for a contract today, they'd be asking for fifty five million all guaranteed for Burrow, uh, which is interesting. I think that would have to be, you know, play out your four, play out your five at the at the regular five option and then five years at 55 guaranteed after that, which is a two year deferred five years, 55 guaranteed. It's not quite the same, but it does guarantee a lot of, a lot of money and a lot of years of play uh, from Joe Burrow from what you've seen so far. And I know every Bengals fan would like to believe that Joe Burrow is the franchise quarterback for a very long time. Is Burrow the sort of player you want to bet on the potential physical deterioration of over into his thirties, or is he a player that, um, you know, let's wait out the five years, see what we got, pay him what he's worth. I would, I'm not worried about his physical deterioration. I guess injuries are the only thing that could give you some concern with the amount of hits he's taken <laughs> in his Cincinnati career. But when it comes to his game though, it's, it's all a lot of his strengths are his mental game and knowing everything, the processing, changing things at the line and moving, knowing the pocket, even though he's taking all these sacks, it's usually because he likes to hold onto the ball a little bit too long rather than Mm -hmm. he didn't see a guy coming. So I think that stuff just gets better over time. The arm strength, that's like late thirties. I start worrying about his already pretty average arm getting even worse, like a drew Brees, Mm -hmm. but yeah, into his 30s, I think is fine. <laughs> if it's really down the line, I guess an already pretty weak arm getting worse is the one thing I would have concern about. But the way he wins, I'm not too concerned about him. At least 30, 30, 30 through 35 or so. It's, these guys mm-hmm. play so long now. Right. Yeah, they do, they do play a long time. And I, I think the commitment would only be 
if it's seven years from this point, what he'd be about 32, 33, maybe at the outside. Yeah. So, um, and that's not, that doesn't seem too long to me either. It's just, uh, it's just one of those things that I think people need to worry about in Burroughs case. That's you're thinking exactly what I was with the amount of, um, you know, hits he's taken with the, with the Bengals offensive line, uh, other key contract situations, anybody else, anybody else who's a third year player, they really want to wrap up early besides Higgins and Burrow. Oh, uh, well, Logan Wilson was the same draft. So I would assume they want to look into him. That's another cornerstone of the, of the team. It seems like Ravens so. killer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Again, uh, he, he got his uh, first real big game against the Ravens. It felt like with the, yeah. with the interceptions and then, He's done. I mean, he's turned that into a really good career. He's one of the best linebackers, at least in the division. I would say one of the better ones in the league, though. I mean, he's real. He's not just a ball magnet, which was what I thought he was last year, just kind of like getting a lot of interceptions and knocking the ball out. What he does this year seems to be a bit more of doing a lot of linebacker stuff, shedding blocks, fitting the run well. He made a great stop on third and one last week against the Dolphins, where he got a two yard. Uh, tackle for a loss against Chase Edmonds, key moment. So he's a guy you got to look to extend. Other than him, I don't think you, there's anybody you're looking at too early. Uh, there's a few other guys, Akeem Davis Gaither, that gets some playing time, but no, nobody I would think that they're looking to extend right uh, this offseason. The Bengals seem to have tremendous tacklers at inside linebacker too, which is, is something we are very jealous of. So even even Pratt, who I think a little less of, is is not terrible certainly in that means. And Wilson and uh, and Davis Gaither are terrific. Yeah, I mean Pratt's got the weird form of it feels like he uses really strong arms, just kind of like forces them down, sits down type thing, but it works. So I'm not too against it. The other guy is more normal tackling and it works out. I think they've got good tackling even at the corner spot, which is pretty rare, although not rare for the Ravens, but pretty rare for when I think of the Bengals and like William Jackson. Yeah. Unfortunately, you're thinking about the old Ravens The new Ravens have a lot of problems with tackling. So, uh, and it's, I would say other than the defensive line, I'd say it pretty much is permeates the entire unit. It uh, looks like Marcus Williams is a good tackler at, at safety, and and uh, but they have they have a lot of problems in, at, with tackling on this team right now. Uh, let's let's shift over to the offense. We talked a little bit about Burrow in terms of his arm strength and whatnot. What else is he doing well this year? Yeah, so some of those he does well in general. I think of is his accuracy. Yeah, really accurate and. Like I said, the processing, everything like that. What he's doing this year that's a little bit different is I think he's a little bit quicker to see man and take off and run. He has got he had more rushing yards in his first two games. Granted, that was when the offensive line played its worst, so a little bit of running for his life, but also able to run and create that way. So I think that's something he didn't do enough of last season. So to see that he can use his – and that uses your processing and his other stuff that works really well, extending plays, improvisation – now he's willing to just take off down the field when he needs to to pick up a first down. That's, a, I think, the main positive addition we've seen this year. I would say if you want to think of something that's a little new that hasn't been great is I think of him as really accurate. I think Pro Football Focus wasn't going to use them. Charted him as the most accurate passer last season, and this year it's just been a little bit off. I don't know if that was the appendix surgery and he's not in the flow of the game because he didn't get much practice in the preseason or training camp, but yeah, it, it's just a little bit off. There's like one or two missed passes a game that last year he hits. Gotcha. Okay. So it's, uh, I think, you know, quarterbacks go through streaks of that anyway, not nothing to be too 
concerned about. But I, I, I was looking for if you had total sack yards on him this year because he's got a good number of scramble yards. Uh, it's a little bit unusual for a quarterback like Burrow, who's mostly a pocket presence, I, I would say, to to have a good a, a, a zero uh, net of scrambles minus sack yards or scrambles plus sack yards, we'll call it. He's up to 93 sack yards so far okay. this season. So it's about like minus five because I've got him for 88 scramble yards. So that's still not, that's still not not terrible by any stretch. Uh, Lamar Jackson's having a big year there. He's at he's at 3.8 uh, yards when he does not throw, average average per play when he doesn't throw. So it's not a complete throwaway. Uh, oh, that sounds really nice. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 good. But uh, but yeah, a lot of the mobile quarterbacks are are north of one. Uh, some of them are north of two, and and Jackson is is uh, exceptional. I I have really haven't looked at Jalen Hurts or Justin Fields or quarterbacks like that to see how they're doing this year, but. Uh, extending a play you were mentioning earlier extending a play is a is is generally a really valuable thing to do if you're a mobile quarterback and the hits you take when you take a sack on that play are more they look a lot more like run hits so i don't has has burrow taken a fair number of those yeah uh, i would say uh he's taken a fair number of those hits to go with uh he had 13 sacks in the first two weeks that's just brutal mm-hmm. to deal with and uh but he's taken a few, fair number of those. I know in the Jets game, they got him really good on when he extended a play, got an unnecessary roughness call. So mm-hmm. uh, rough in the pass or whatever. Uh, so he's taking his hits uh, a little bit less the last two weeks, even though I mentioned the Jets getting a good one on him. But still, it's just he's he's going to take hits because he's even though he is a bit of a pocket passer, he does like to roll out, extend plays, and – probably because his wide receivers are so good on that scramble mm-hmm. drill stuff and creating out of structure. So when things go wrong and he loves it on third down mostly, but when things go wrong, he's not just the Tom Brady type to hang in the pocket. He'll escape run. He made so many chiefs defenders miss in the AFC championship game doing this exact thing. So it also helps the offensive line, even though it hurts the offensive line when he takes these sacks and holds the ball, helps him when he's evading and able to extend and create something when they don't do something right. Yeah, that's that's very valuable, and we're we're somewhat familiar here in Baltimore. That's that's great. Um, I, I will ask this next question, and please understand, this is a reflection of what happened in this Buffalo game and not a reflection of what I actually think about Joe Burrow. But is he asking for a lot of flags after a hit? No, I don't think so. I don't see him do it. At least I've never noticed it. He, uh, I've heard like trash talk once in a while where he says like something like, uh, watch out. This is early in his career, but he would say like next year, I'm going to get that call thinking like, you know, I'm going to be one of the quarterbacks that gets these calls next time, but haven't seen too much of it this season or in general, really. Usually he takes a big hit and you almost want him to like flail a little bit. Yeah. You may start noticing there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, that's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Why is this water called liquid death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Those aluminum cans it comes in are recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities so they won't just end up in your local landfill like plastic bottles. Go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find Liquid Death re- retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com front slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com front slash film study. 
Now you mentioned the, the 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 some of the starters along the offensive line, but take us through from left to right and, and talk about what they're doing, how they're playing this season. Uh, the Ravens, obviously, a lot of their strength is on the defensive line, uh, linebacker less so, but at defensive line, they they have some very good players. What so? Who do you got from left to right? Left tackle is the only consistent one. Still, Jonah Williams. I. He started a little slow, but all these guys didn't get any training camp or, well, he got training camp, but didn't get any preseason. So, and he's got a new mate at left guard. So start a little slow. I think he's back to where he normally is like a solid, better pass protector than run blocker. Nothing elite about him, but somebody that I feel comfortable with at left tackle, left guard, Cordell Volson, rookie loves to finish guys. He's got some strength to him. He doesn't move laterally that well. It feels like when they want to run their wide zone concepts, he's not able to get to the linebacker at the second level all the time. And some of that's the angle, but a lot of it is also just he's more of a straight line athlete. Uh, But overall, like I said, probably a below average starter, but what you're happy with as a rookie, especially a fourth round pick, late fourth round. Mm-hmm. Center Ted Karras, all around solid, great at helping. Um, they let him get a little bit extra depth, it feels like, on these stunts and stuff on third down so that he can help th- help them inside a bit more, especially because their communication isn't where it should would be with like four-year, you know, adjacent teammates. So uh, he's not somebody that's going to drive a lot of guys into the dirt on the in the run game, but I think he's solid enough there and he's a pretty good pass protector. Alex Kappa, really strong. Again, more of a straight line athlete than he is uh, laterally. So this has, I think, been a lot of their issue with the run game. They got a lot of straight line athletes, but not a lot of guys that move well side to side. But he's been pretty – he's probably been their best offensive lineman, which surprised me coming into the year. But I'll take it. And uh, solid pass protector, solid run game. Likes to, he's a guy that can really drive guys in the run game and move them by himself. That's not something you can always find at the NFL level. And lastly, is right tackle Lyle Collins, who has been playing probably the worst football of his career. I think it's back injury related. He looks slow out of his stance. He doesn't move well in any direction right now. Um, pass protection, he is always falling down. Sometimes he's diving. Ooh. I don't know what is about that but i don't know if it's like his back is like he can't sustain and strain and it's just you're not talking about a cut blocking you're talking about like diving on a pass block yeah i'm talking about he pass blocks a guy does an okay job and then just falls over or dives to try to get him a little extra yard away it's very strange never seen it before and i don't like it (laughs) but yeah, I, I think that uh, Lyle Collins is not playing the best football of his career. A lot of falling down, a lot of uh, issues in pass protection. Even for the Jets, Jacob Martin was able to get him a few times with a cross chop, which is probably not their best pass rusher. He had some issues against Miami. Just never like to see a guy fall down all that much. Hopefully it gets better with maybe the mini bye week, but that's probably more cope from me than an actual <laughs> analysis i think uh it's just something they'll have to deal with for a while until hopefully it just feels better at some point he can play better okay well that's uh uh that that's something so cincinnati obviously has given up some sacks this year who's been who have been the culprits for that which gap has been the one that has has worked out in terms of other teams when they rush the passer yeah it's mostly been either b or c on the right side with collins i think Mm -hmm. that's been common especially they faced tj watt and micah parsons and he just dominated that side both of them did uh left guard cordell volson 
mostly I think inside on him to that a gap. If they can get Karras to slide away, Cam Hayward had a really good game against him. A uh, few other guys, Jalen uh, Phillips last week for the Dolphins was able to beat him inside quite a few times. And uh, I think Jonah Williams to start the year was giving up some pressure to both inside and outside. I, I always think of him a little bit more as a guy that'll give it up inside than outside, but uh, he's gotten better. I don't think Ingram got him too much, although he did get him once clean on an inside move. So I would think the left side B and a, and then, B and C on the right side because Collins is not really protecting inside or outside too well. Pretty good chance. The Ravens had a lot of problems at tackle in this last game. And uh, obviously pretty good chance. The Ravens are end up still not being as good as the uh, Bengals in this next game, I would say at, at, at both sides, but a lot of yeah, Buffalo, very talented defensive line. And you've already named some players who Collins has gone up against and, you know, including Watt when, when he was healthy that, are uh, you know certainly at the top of the charts, but that Buffalo defensive line—I don't know if Cincinnati uh, has played him or will play him this year. Late, late, yeah, the Monday night, yeah. like week seventeen. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Next to last game of the season. That's great. Okay. Uh, tough game. Tough game. They are very, very talented up front, and they gave the Ravens obviously a lot of problems in this last game. Uh, good to hear that there's another team struggling a little bit on the offensive line as well. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about the the wide receiver core, and that's certainly what burned the Ravens very badly this these last two games. Yeah, I mean, same guys uh, that you have to worry. I don't even think they made any additions or changes, really, um, other than Auden Tate, I guess, is gone. But uh, mm-hmm. he didn't do anything last year. So uh, You've got Jamar Chase, the big He's the number one guy. Uh, I don't think of them as X and Z because they will just flip-flop T and Chase as, you know, one playing X, this down, solo it up, the other one, this down, because they're both able to do it. But Chase, is he's been a little bit of a coverage magnet, drawing those safeties a little bit more towards him this year. They don't want to see him do what he did to, well, the Ravens, but also the Chiefs. He did it a few times where he could just completely take over a game, go for over 200 yards. So that's a little bit of the reason he's had a little bit of a slow start. He also didn't play well against New York. Just something about that Jets game. He had a fumble. Uh, he had another drop or two. That was just a bad game from him. But otherwise, he's been a good. He's been good, even though he's been drawing extra attention. I always think of him almost built like a running back. He's got the rare, awesome deep threat ability, but also really good yards after catch ability. Strong runner, I guess. This is known from he displayed this all against yeah, the Ravens, but yeah. <laughs> just to go over it again, uh, He's a tackle Higgins, breaker. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, it's corners really struggle at bringing them down. They need to get a safety or somebody in there to bring them down as well. Uh, T Higgins, big, long, strong, kind of like your prototypical. I feel like mid two thousands X receiver. He's not the fastest guy, but he's got strong hands. He's really long. He's still got some speed and route running to him. And I think all these Bengals receivers, a little bit underrated after the catch, more so chases that guy. But T's really strong. He will be able to run through contact. Uh, They had a last week against the Dolphins on Thursday night. He caught a little smoke alert, just sit there, catch this against a cover zero look, and he makes Xavier Howard miss and runs for an extra 10 yards. So I don't know if they're always expecting that out of T. And then Tyler Boyd, he's same guy. He's always been good change direction, smart player, strong. And I think he took 
this giant hit against the Jets over the middle of the field where I think it was LaMarcus Joyner. It was a helmet to helmet hit and he ends up falling down. Uh, Joyner and the other guy end up like falling down and Boyd just kind of shakes it off and keeps running for an extra 50 yards for the touchdown. But mm. that's, that's what I think of is smart, strong, dependable third down guy. That was, that was a third down covers. Zero I, look and I didn't see this actual play, but the, the, the receivers hit from opposite side. Sorry. The tacklers hit from opposite sides of the player on the play. Yeah, so the the corner covering him was behind him. He catches it. The safety comes down to the front, and he mm-hmm. does get Boyd. It's not like they crash into each other, but they the contact kind of hits him into the other guy, <laughs> just causes a whole big train wreck. I, I I don't know why I've seen that, but I've probably seen that eight or ten times as a fan over the years, where where you get tackles from opposite side, and it, it's it messes up both tacklers, and the the receiver can't even believe that he's still standing, and then takes off and uh, you know, makes a big play on it, but. Uh, for Ravens fans, there was a big one for Marcus Robinson in the 2003 comeback at Seattle in particular that I'm thinking about. I wonder if it's like the sandwich type effect. One guy from the front, one guy from the back. So he's not yeah. driving you either way. You just have to be able to withstand the contact, which I always think of Anquan Bolden on, on that type of thing where yeah. he could have taken any hit. He'd, he'd have been a good one for that. Um, uh, so frustrating set of wide receivers, certainly for the Ravens the last few years. Uh, I, I was noticing that Joe Mixon didn't seem like he was doing too well in the football outsiders yards relative to expectation metric they have, or what is it? The DR metric, I think it is. Um, how's he, how's he looked this year? So I thought week one, he looked like himself and pretty good, but he leaves the game to get his ankle relooked at. And then the next week, I thought he started a little slow. He leaves the game, to get his ankle looked at. And then the third game against the Jets, he left the entire fourth quarter because of his ankle. This game, he didn't leave the this past week. He didn't leave the game for his ankle or anything. But again, he just it's I think it's to me, the balance doesn't seem. I don't know if it's like ankle stability type thing, but it doesn't seem to be there. Or maybe I'm making excuses for him. But uh, is that he definitely hasn't been the same this season overall. I thought he was pretty solid week one. But other than that, definitely been one of the disappointments of the offense now. I know they called a players only meeting just him in the offensive line. And I think because some of this is also, like I mentioned, these guys don't, this offensive line isn't doing really well laterally. So I think they're all just like, what run schemes do you guys like blocking? How do you want me to do that as a running back type thing? They know it's an issue, the whole running the ball in general. So hopefully it's fixed. But right now, that's one of the biggest issues on the team, something that's a concern, especially after four weeks of this. It's probably not variants anymore. Um, but yeah, overall just hasn't been the same guy, although he's gotten more usage, I think this season than I think any other year that I can think of, he's up at like 85, 90% of the running back touches. I I was noticing that uh, of all running backs in the league last few years, Mixon has played just a ridiculously disproportionate percentage of snaps that they, they, they didn't take him off the field that much. Now that may not have been true every single year. I may have been remembering it from two years ago when I'm doing this show with some other Bengals guy at, at the time. But, but that's what I kind of recall about it was that, was that, you know, he just gotten such a high percentage of, of snaps. And I'm wondering, you know, how can he take this kind of a workload? And it's not just the touches. I mean, it really does come down to snaps for a guy like that. Yeah. I mean, when they're not getting touches, whether they're running and playing pass protection, being offensive lineman, physical taking hits that way, which they are leaving him a bit more on that. Although I would say, if the Ravens are going to bring a lot of pressure, I think they will make a switch to 
uh, Samaj P. Ryan back there because they do trust him a little bit more in the pass protection aspect. But Mixon's made some pretty impressive pass protection pickups this season, just play action, and he doesn't even continue the fake because he sees nickel coming off the edge and he has to go pick him up so his quarterback doesn't get killed. Mm-hmm. I've been I think it's that's been an improvement for him, but almost every other aspect has been a little bit of a decline. Okay. All right. Uh, other players in the backfield, whether they line up anyone at fullback these days? They'll get in their 12 personnel looks and just put one of the tight ends there. They don't really have a dedicated fullback, and they really rotate whoever the backup tight end is now that Drew Sample is done for the season, whether that's Devin Asiasi or um, Mitchell Wilcox. They'll put either one of them back there. I've seen Hayden Hurst back there a little bit, but he's probably not the guy you want playing a fullback spot. You probably want him at tight end, maybe making a block across the line. He's not the strongest, best blocker to lead the running back. Right. That's that's what I would think of, too. Not a great pass blocker either when he was in Baltimore, but, uh, but you know, it is what it is. I, I, I wanted to ask you about how often the Bengals run out of 12 personnel this year. Uh, is that is that a pretty common thing, or you, you just mentioned it as as like an alternative to twenty one, which they really don't do? But and I'm really talking about their their apparent position, not their actual spot they line up at. Okay, yeah, um, they yeah they'll get in twelve, though, especially under center. I think they like to get into those like tight end. Sometimes the double wing both on one side twins on the other side but a lot of times both opposite sides so you got that kind of ace balance look uh seven on the line Mm -hmm. they'll do that once in a while and then they like to run out of that i think it's made their play action game out of that a little bit more effective than when they try to play do any play action out of 11 personnel because even when they get under center with the wide receivers they still like it spread out with them those guys are just better in space than they are condensed so when they want to get some type of condensed look they'll get 12 and just line up with them on the line or into the one of those double wing type looks so they'll run out of it a little bit they're still such an 11 heavy team and why wouldn't they be with those wide receivers but when they got to give one of those guys a break, they'll get into their 12 and sometimes even uh, 13. They ran 13 personnel around the goal line a lot or short yardage. Mm-hmm. And uh, just last week, the, the game ceiling touchdown was a 13 personnel sneak Hayden Hurst across the line in the backfield and throw him a little blooped for the touchdown. Nobody sees him. That's that is, uh, uh, you know, an additional wrinkle to certainly to, to, to things. I, I don't know if you know this. I don't know if anyone outside of Baltimore really is. I, I actually don't even know if the Baltimore people are onto this, but the Ravens are a historically heavy team right now. They've played under 10%, 11 personnel for the year so far, which what the Bengals are probably at 80 or, or thereabouts, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, right around high. 80, just like yeah. they have been the past couple of years. Yeah. And, and, uh, uh, I'm looking at, at the teams from the last six years, and only the Minnesota Vikings in 1999 have, have are the closest. They were they ran 25 percent 11. So I, I've been counting the number of fullbacks, tight ends, and and sixth offensive lineman snaps. And the Ravens are well north of of two in the in probably the 2.3 range, two, a little bit over that even. And I don't I don't believe there's been a team that's been 2.0 or higher uh, in the last six years, and it may have been a couple of decades since it's happened because it's just a, it's a weird team, but it's historically heavy offense. We'll see if it continues for the rest of the year. And uh, it certainly presents a different set of defensive challenges for, for other teams. Yeah. I had no idea, but I guess that's why they drafted all of the tight ends. <laughs> the fourth round yeah. this year with, I loved Isaiah likely coming out mm-hmm. and I was 
Oh, man, the Ravens getting him. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, they got him. They, the other, you know, the other guy hasn't been on the field yet. Charlie Kolar. Uh, some of the people who were on Pop uh, are starting to make it back. Uh, Kolar actually is on IR, but uh, he's still out with a sports hernia. I, I, it sounds to me like he might be, might not play in 22, but we'll see. We'll see if he uh, is back at some point. Uh, other, anything else you want to talk about? Some of the common play concepts the they use on offense. So the, the run game, they really thought they'd be a wide zone team this year. Mm-hmm. Like they were, it felt like the last couple years, but these guys just aren't moving on the offensive line well enough. So that's kind of been phased out just a little bit. It's still being used, but now they're getting a little bit more of that duo power without a pooler stuff, get the double teams working vertical. I think that works mm-hmm. with the offensive line better. Um, they get a little bit more of that ga- uh, the uh, power and counter concepts in there, but mm, it's still in flux. In the passing game, they love their quick game because Burrow's so quick with his processing and accurate to hit that stuff and get these guys on the move. They'll they recently have been able to finally protect long enough to hit the intermediate middle of the field with some of those dig routes, fifteen yard ins and stuff. And of course, they love their go balls to these outside wide receivers like Jason Higgins and. That's what the big touchdown came last week was T Higgins one-on-one with Xavier uh, Howard, no help. And you just put that go ball up for one of these guys and there's a good chance they come down with it. Yeah. Well, Higgins certainly has been very effective since, uh, since he came into the league. Um, how do you expect them to attack the Ravens? I mean, obviously they've had tremendous success with the Ravens the last couple of years. How, how do you expect them to do it? I would expect the Ravens are going to really respect Jamar Chase. I don't think they want him to, kill them again but i still think you got to get them the ball somehow so some underneath stuff to him while also if they're devoting any attention to mar chase then you have these one-on-ones where t might be matched up with uh, marcus peters or even marlon humphrey i feel less confident about that matchup with marlon humphrey because marlon humphrey got the better of t that was his rookie year but still i think he's the best corner on the team and he's a really good player but uh, either Boyd or Higgins might have a favorable matchup. I think you're going to attack down the field with those guys underneath with Chase, and you just kind of hope the run game gets itself going. I do think last year there were at least one big play to CJ Uzama. Maybe they want to get Hayden Hurst. You know, maybe he's feeling some type of revenge. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if, how well it ended amicably or not, but uh, I, I think he's done a good job running after the catch, been really strong. He's had good hands. What, something weird he did in Atlanta when I was trying to watch him before the, right after the Bengals signed him was he tried like four hurdles and he fumbled on two of them. <laughs> he hasn't tried yeah. that yet. I, I hate that. I really hate that for oh. tight ends. I, I think it's a very high fumble risk play, uh, you know, because you're oftentimes having to use one arm to kind of prop yourself up on your fall. Uh, I just I, I absolutely hate it. Todd Heap, same kind of problems. Uh, Mark Andrews, I think it has happened. I just I really don't like it. So I don't know what it right, is right, about right. these these tight ends. They think they can hurdle these guys, but he's done. He had a like ten yards after the catch on a play against Miami last week, where he's just carrying like five dolphins. It feels like he's really playing hard. I I don't know. I I'm not sure if he was deflated last year a little bit with Atlanta because another team drafts a tight end phases him out. But he's as a fourth option. I think a pretty good pretty solid player and um if the ravens are struggling at all in tackling i want to see the Bengals attack with joe mixon in a screen game they just haven't been able to run screens so want to see it i don't know if i would predict it though 
do they have the linemen for screens anymore with all the changes? Do they have some some quicker guys? I, I don't really know these older players and the guys who came from the NFC. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if they can get a good look, these guys are strong enough. And Lyle Collins was good on screens in Dallas, but like I said, he's been moving a little bit slower than normal and falling over a lot. So uh, it, they, they don't seem to be the best on screens right now, but even just something where you can get a tight end out in front of them and maybe Jonah Williams who can move a bit or Kodo Volson can run in a straight line. These, those type of guys out in front of them, just because it feels like you should get them the ball in space and not just on a swing route where he has to make one guy miss. Yeah. All right. Outstanding stuff. Let's move over to the defense now and, and talk about that. And I always like to start with, with one particular question I think is really at the, at the heart of a lot of, uh, defensive uh, coordinator work and that is what do they like to do on obvious passing downs do they do they so if the other team throws out their normal 11 personnel look it's a third and 10 third and nine uh do they get out of their nickel do they put in a dime back uh will they even go to quarter and replace two inside linebackers depending on game situation they went quarter against the Chiefs, but I think that was because Andy Reid refused to run the ball. Um, mm-hmm. Even it was like a third and four that they did that, and he still didn't run the ball. But against the Ravens, I think they go dime, and I think they try to bring Trey Flowers in for Mark Andrews. Um, but that I don't know if you want to play man against the <laughs> Lamar Jackson type team where you got your back turned to him. So I they like to play nickel. I think normally, but third and long you do see more of that dime stuff, especially against good tight ends where they don't trust the linebackers to carry these guys. Uh, I don't know how often the Ravens are going to be lightened in third and long, but if, if that does happen, I would expect probably more dime than nickel and maybe even a little bit of three safety stuff, get some more speed on the field with a Dax Hill. Maybe this is the game he sees double digit snaps for the first time or somewhere near there. Yeah. Uh, the Ravens have hardly anyone healthy at, at wide receiver right now. That's the way it seemed this year. Bateman uh, may have an injury now and, and, you know, he's the, he's the ex they have after that it's Marcus Robinson and uh, James Prochet, who they thought would see time has hardly seen the field. Tylen Wallace, who they drafted last year has hardly seen the field. So uh, you know, they're, they're part of it is they're just not using wide receivers in the offense likely is kind of being used as a wide receiver. And so it's uh, uh, there's just, Greg Roman has rewritten the rules on on how to uh, play offense. And so far this year, honestly, it's working very well. The Ravens have a good offense. It's, it's been the, the defense largely that has let them down in some of these uh, uh, comebacks. Although I think both shared the blame this last week. <laughs> the offense seems to get on these hot starts. So I don't know mm-hmm. if that's all scripting or anything, but it seems like they know what to do to start the game. And I don't know if it's just attrition or the defense is letting up long drives. They don't get opportunities, but I know against the dolphins, they scored like 30 points in the first half this past week, they were up like 20 to three. So the offense doesn't seem to always be an issue. Uh, even if they aren't using any of these wide receivers, but uh, yeah. Yeah. They've, they've gotten by so far. Anyway, we're here to talk about the Bengals. Let's keep doing that here. Uh, the, on the defensive line, uh, Bengals still a very much a rotational team there? Less this year, which is weird. I don't know if they'll keep that up against Baltimore because these guys got to flow so hard side to side to try to keep up with Lamar and this. He doesn't always run outside, but the read will take the running back outside at times and pulling guards and trying to keep up with Lamar when he scrambles. I would Mm -hmm. think you see more of a rotation, but they haven't had too heavy of a rotation this year. Um, You've got Sam Hubbard at 85% of the snaps. Trey Hendrickson's up near 80% of the snaps. 
Wow. And uh, yeah, BJ Hill, defensive tackles up at 80% of the snaps right now. And I think you just got to trust some of the guys behind them because they're not as deep as they were last year. How's the, what's, what's the situation with DJ reader right now? He's out. He's on IR. He, uh, they're thinking, I don't think they've left out a, a true injury, but it's speculates an MCL sprain. It was a knee injury, I think mm-hmm. listed. And they're saying four to six weeks, they put him on IR. So he's missing at least four from last game. So three more um, that he was, I think the best player on maybe the team, when he went down, he was having a career year as a nose tackle at one point had the second highest uh, next gen stats um, pass rush win rate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, as a nose tackle, that's insane. Only behind Donald, but yeah, he went out, they stepped up last week, but that is a position of concern. Yeah, you're right. That's almost always a three tech, isn't it? And, and reader, he's so gifted. He probably could move out the three tech and play there and, and beat guards one-on-one, but, uh, but yeah, he's uh, he's a good player. Well, sad to hear he's hurt, but not that sad given this is the Ravens game coming up this week. So we'll uh, we'll get by it. I went through the five stages there pretty quickly. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, uh, looks to me, are, do they usually activate four or five defensive linemen on game day? Yeah, they will have Tupo. Uh, Reader's not active right now, but Carter Hill. It's usually, I think, five because um, okay. I think they're going to activate two Fele. This week they ha- they got him from waivers. Um, I think right on preseason fourth game that mm-hmm. big cutdown. So they got him there. They haven't played him yet, but I think this will be the first week he'll be active. We'll see. Uh, but they usually try to keep five, even if they're not rotating him too too much. I think of Cam Sample as a down lineman more than outside guy because that's where they've been playing him the furthest he goes is right outside the tackle he doesn't do anything outside of that and they like him at three tech and he's had a pretty good year he's better than he was last year last year i thought he was fine this year i think he's made some plays that kind of pop on tape liked him liked him a lot in the draft last year uh and uh, it's Tulane, right he's the two lane guy yeah okay yeah uh Anyway, uh, and you, the, the names you gave me, I, I believe, and I was trying to keep track, but you didn't give me Hendrickson there, and you didn't la- name me Hubbard, right, who are really edge I guys? think, yeah, yeah, they're edge guys. I was thinking the three interior, but against the Ravens, they do play that even four down front mm-hmm. uh, almost all the time to get more guys outside in space behind. So there are linemen for this game. So Hendrickson and Hubbard, the two biggest pieces probably on the defensive line right now. They're playing a ton of snaps, especially Hubbard, who I think is a tremendous run defender and who's done a really good job rushing the passer, although it's against weaker competition. Put Greg Little on his back on a play last Mm -hmm. week. Awesome to see. Love to see a a complete dominating win like that. Although then Teddy shook him off. It's like, you got to finish that, man. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's like uh, the NBA highlights where they only show the dribble move and then it cuts away when the shot goes up. But Hendrickson, I think, started slow. Then he had a two-and-a-half sack game against the Jets. So he's kind of back to where he was. Played against Ron Armstead last week, so you take what you can out of a matchup like that. And then uh, the guys that usually back them up, uh, Joseph Osai will play. He's the main. He's like the third edge guy. And they'll put Cam Sample there when they want to be heavy and keep him tight to the line. And lastly, sometimes they'll play like a 5-1 front and Jermaine Pratt plays edge in that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really rush the pass with that commonly from it, but he will take on pulling guards and, you know, the run defense that uh, uh edge player has to do. 
Okay, very good. So a 5-1 then maintaining a nickel with their 5-1 that they can still defend the pass even if the other team this is this is part of what I'm what I'm trying to maybe understand is if the Ravens are in a lot of their 12, 13 and 22 looks how does a team like the Bengals adjust to that? Do they go to only four defensive backs uh which I think would be normal if if it's any one of those those three and then do they really have the personnel that that make that a worthwhile decision? Because you, you then got to come up with seven guys up front you like. Um, and can you do that for an extended period of time? It'll be one of the hopes I would have is that the Ravens could effectively run the ball for one of the first times this year by some other than Lamar Jackson. Uh, I and- think, oh, yeah, I was, I think the linebackers have shown that they'll be confident to play a four, three type of defense in this game. Just like they've played the Ravens with a four, three, even though they have been a base three, four. So when they get a 12, 21, I would expect the Bengals to play a lot of four, three. They want to get Mike Hilton on the field because they really like him good blitzer, good run defender. You could even probably get him in there on some 12 stuff because I'm not sure if Mark Andrews is uh, uh, George Kittle just yet in his run blocking. So Mm -hmm. you could probably get away with getting a little bit of Mike Hilton nickel 4-2 stuff in there. But I think they will feel confident on first down at least and maybe short yard stuff to get their four down package and let Akeem Davis Gaither play the Sam, Jeremy Pratt at will, Logan Wilson net Mike, and really kind of play old school. Uh, teams don't play too, too much of that old school four, three stack type stuff. Right. That's I, I, you're such good tackling inside or tackling linebackers or tackling off ball linebackers. Let's call them that. Uh, it's just, it's a, it it should be very hard to run the football against the Cincinnati Bengals. Have have other teams had success so far this year doing it? No, not really. It's uh, if they've their defense has been really good to start the year. I know they they haven't played any real good quarterbacks late, uh, just yet. They played Tua, but he went out after the with that scary injury right before the halftime. But they held that Miami team to six points while Tua was in there right before halftime. So they've done a good job in general. I don't know if they face a rushing attack as prolific as the Ravens and even no, not, I don't think the Steelers Cowboys or uh, Jets fit that mold. So they had reader for the first two games. So only the jet or uh, the first three games, excuse me, he went out in that third game, but it was kind of late. Um, so only the dolphins have had to play the Bengals without reader. So I think that's the interesting thing of can the interior hold up with a Josh Tupo and then BJ Hill and the rotating guys there to a rushing attack like the Ravens because they did find against the Dolphins, but the Dolphins, they really want to throw the ball. They, they, mm-hmm. they can run on a little bit, but they want to get Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle the ball down the field. Yeah. Uh, for, for Cincinnati fans that might be listening to this, the Ravens coming into this with a lot of problems at running back. Uh, so they, they got Mike Davis back into the game for the last two snaps, including a, you know, a third and four and a fourth and two to, to try and win the game against, against Buffalo. That's not a good thing, uh, but Hill went out with an injury, and he, he'd been probably their best back so far. Uh, Dobbins is just coming back and kind of ramping up. He got up to 13 uh, carries this last week, but uh, now Hill is hurt again, and um, you know they don't really have that outside speed threat, which which is really what Lamar needs to be most effective, get get that field spread horizontally, get get uh, defenses to make mistakes themselves instead of uh, – instead run themselves out of position instead of uh, you know them beating people necessarily. So I, I'm I, I'm hearing what you're seeing, seeing what I'm seeing with missed tackle rates. I'm I'm kind of pessimistic about the Ravens' ability to run the ball. I think this game may be in Lamar's hands again. 
Yeah, it sounds like what it has been all year is uh, the only one I don't know is Gus Edwards close to coming back yet because he's a Not pretty good week. running back, even if I don't think he's the fastest. Yeah, he's he, uh, you know, we love him here, but he's a between the tackles, uh, heavy, hard hitting back. He's uh, uh, just starting uh, his practice now in a 21 day window coming off PUP. Then the Ravens leave, they have to put him on the 53 or uh, um, uh, put him on IR. And they, they probably will have room on the 53 right now. They're carrying Kenyon Drake as a healthy scratch week to week. Uh, Mike Davis probably should be a healthy scratch. And he would be, I think, if they had other guys a healthy or probably actually wouldn't be on the team. It's just that simple. He's, he's, he's has not been particularly good. If you look at the ratings out there on Football Outsiders, you notice for their carry groups, Drake and um, uh, Davis have been the two worst running backs in the entire league in terms of you know yards relative to expectation. D, it's the DR uh, thing. Yeah. I couldn't. I can't exactly define what that is, but uh, uh, they're both you know have been way under. Uh, I think it's above replacement and they're both like negative 35 and, you know, in limited number of snaps. So, uh, all right, let's, let's continue on. Um, what, what linebacker platooning do they, do they do any of that or, or, um, they have three regulars and they like them. They've got the three, uh, regulars they like, although they normally play the two off ball guys with Pratt and Wilson, they will play three this week. So they'll like just playing all three of those guys. They don't, they don't think they'll, platoon in uh, a Joe Batchy or a um, Marcus Bailey, even though those guys are the the backups to come in if one of these guys goes down. Uh, I think they like the guys they have. Pratt actually was injured, and they just put Akeem Davis-Gaither right into his spot, let him play, and he played pretty well. So I don't know what it is. The linebacker coach left, but all these linebackers seem to play at a pretty good level for this defense. Maybe the defensive coordinator is just a little bit of a linebacker whisper, but uh, – They've done a they've done a good job. I don't think they'll try to platoon these guys. I think when they when they go nickel, I think that'll be interesting to watch because we haven't seen too much of what it would look like uh, after Pratt's injury because he was on limited snaps last week. So this week, I assume he's pretty much fully healthy, and especially after a mini buy like that. Uh, so does he stay on the field for the nickel snaps, or do they just let the speed of an Akeem Davis Gaither stay there and play the coverage stuff? That I think will be interesting, but also the Ravens aren't going to have them get into nickel too, too often, uh, even if they want to. Right. That's, that's true. You kind of, in, in the same way that other teams force the nickel by putting a, you know, offenses can do it by putting on a third wide receiver. The Ravens can kind of force teams to not be, get their third cornerback on the field with the packages <laughs> they put on. Uh, interested to hear about the secondary. Take us through, if you would, just player by player or, or, across. I'll start with Chidobe Wuzier, who had a career year last season, I think probably near Pro Bowl type level, uh, which is surprising from Dallas. I thought he would be a solid player, but he did play above expectations. And then in the playoffs, the, the whole secondary was incredible. Uh, I think him included. He's He's pretty physical. I think all the Bengals corners are physical guys. Eli Apple's the most physical. I'll get to him in a second. But, um, well, maybe Mike Hilton is. <laughs> he loves contact. But uh, even if he's the least physical of the corners, he still is a guy that'll run through like wide receiver screens, trying to make that tackle. He's not a guy that shies away from blocks or tries to just make tackles with his arms. He likes to get down, take out the legs, or drive, kill the engine with his arms and run his feet. So I think of him as a solid corner everywhere, but 
more of a coverage specialist. Just I wouldn't take him for granted as like a guy you could just flip the ball up to, make him miss and move on. Jesse Bates been around Bengals for a long time. Really good safety, in my opinion, especially in coverage. I think he is a guy that you can. He's one of the guys in secondary I think will miss some tackles. He's done a good job this season, but just history, <laughs> longer history than just four games. So they have that, but he's really good sideline to sideline. I think he has some of the best range in the NFL when he's on. He held out throughout all training camp and the preseason, but then finally comes back, gets his job right away because he's done this for four years now, going on five. Um, good player, just all around. Somebody I would have liked to keep, but it seems the Bengals and him business side just didn't match up with what they both expected. Von Bell, he's a bit of a ball magnet like Wilson. I think he forces a lot of fumbles. He had two picks last week. He's been better in coverage over the past year than I think he had the previous two with the Bengals. Um, I think of Von Bell still as a better box type than a deep safety, but I think I underrate a little bit of his like intermediate zone type stuff where he gets his eyes on the quarterback. He's able to read out the routes and not have to worry about getting beat deep, but he'd be able to come down still and make plays that way. They'll put him deep sometimes. Um, he's not the rangiest guy, but he does once in a while it flashes and he can make a play big hitter, good tackler kind of has linebacker mentality, but uh, overall, I think, I think also a little bit of this coverage improvement has been the continuity in the secondary. I don't know if I just talked about enough with these guys in their zones and passing everything off, but the continuity with these guys that they played all last year together, uh, him and Bates have played two plus years together. That's that's a great point. It's you know the Ravens are are certainly built to look into the backfield, and I just wish everything had gone a little more smoothly. But the guys who are kind of messing it up are the rookies. Uh, so they're they're they've come in. They've had a lot of problems with Armour Davis, a little bit with Peppy Williams, and 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 definitely a lot with Kyle Hamilton so far. Even though PFF seems to love him in terms of grades, he uh, he, he was way up towards the line of scrimmage on a play where he was supposed to be deep left covering Tyreek Hill, and. Uh, uh, came up and he talked to Marcus Peters pre-play. And it's like, it almost seemed like, where am I supposed to be? And Marcus Peters immediately shot like a cannon diagonally towards where he was supposed to be nowhere near in time to, uh, to track down <laughs> Tyreek Hill. And that was, that was one of the plays that brought him back against the Dolphins. So it was frustrating, but uh, I could, I could certainly understand how the continuity is, uh, is valuable. You can even have these, these veteran safeties who really know what they're doing and the Ravens have, you know, four guys at three guys at safety plus Hamilton, but the three guys at safety who they otherwise have very good veteran players. Um, Geno Stone, even uh, you know, is a third year player, but but a good veteran player already. Clark and and Marcus Williams are terrific at really understanding what the defense is supposed to do. And then they have Peters and Humphrey on the outside. And you still, it only takes one guy to mess it up. I mean, that's the that's the simple answer to all this. Sorry for all this noise coming on. Like it's that important that I watched the last Orioles game of the season against Toronto. <laughs> I'm kind of hoping this is this is what little we have left to hope for. It's been a great Oriole year, by the way. Fantastic to uh, you know have all this young players, young talent in the organization. But what's what's not cool is what you're hoping for in game number 162 is that you can screw up the Toronto bullpen for the playoffs. So <laughs> that's not that cool. So I forgot what we're talking about. Yeah, safety. So, <laughs> continuity. Yeah, yeah. continuity in the secondary. See, continuity of conversation also important. But uh, yeah, the, the uh, that's that's been uh, a, a something I hope the Ravens are going to be able to get together before the end of the season because certainly been one of the things that's hurt the team so far. 
I almost think of it like offensive linemen have better play when they have continuity together. There's a lot of communication with both of those things. I think they're sometimes similar positions, even though they are the complete opposite body types. Lastly, I'll just go through the other guys real quick. Eli Apple, really physical, used to be, I mean, I think thought of as the guy you target on any team, but he's been a solid cornerback too. I think if teams could target the crap out of him, they would, and they haven't been able to. Did a really good job on Jalen Waddle being physical with him at the line. He toes it a little bit. We'll get we'll, there's there's a good chance there's a holding call on him or an illegal contact mm-hmm. type thing. But you know, what was the it, verb used there? He toes it, <laughs> toes the line. You oh, know? okay. Yeah, comes close to you know. Sometimes goes over it with uh, what's allowed, but I, I like I like my secondary to be a little bit physical with these wide receivers, uh, even if it's not as allowed as it used to be. Mike Hilton, very physical player. He's not as jam disruptive, I think, because he's so short. He's like five foot nine, but he's very physical in the run game. Loves to get involved in that. He had a play against the Chiefs where Orlando Brown came around on like a counter play to wrap around to to him, mm-hmm. and he gets he goes through Orlando Brown and still makes the tackle. And I thought that was incredible of like a 200 pound weight difference yep, <laughs> to be able to go. go through him, make that play low man wins, I guess. So as soon as uh, it just kind of got under one L uh, shoulder or something or one, one yeah, arm. Yeah. Yeah. submarine, the whole thing, but he, it was, it wasn't just avoiding him. He like took on the contact a little bit to get down there and make the play kind of through the legs. But uh, it was, it was really impressive to me. I, I liked what I could see there, but other than that, that's really what they do. Trey Flowers will be a tight end guy in a lot of obvious man situations. They don't love him in the zone stuff, but you have to keep yourself honest when he goes out there and sometimes play it. Uh, he does a pretty solid job when he's on these uh, tight ends man-to-man, but he's kind of a specialist in that regards. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, outstanding stuff, Mike. Always great when uh, to talk football with you. But let's let's uh, pick one player, and we don't do score predictions on this, but pick one player you think really is a matchup problem for the Ravens, maybe other than the obvious, Jamar Chase, but uh, but who else is a real matchup problem for the Ravens? Offense or defense? Uh, man, I feel like I, I, I'm deciding in my mind between uh, Logan Wilson and Sam Hubbard, but I guess Hubbard's going to be the guy that matches up more. So mm-hmm. uh, Wilson more, he'll make plays. I'm thinking that's a little bit of a matchup problem. I don't know. Morgan Moses was pretty solid in New York, but he's not great. And then on the other end, Hubbard has done such a good job against the Ravens, particularly in Jackson, that I think he could be a little bit of an issue. Not calling for a sack, but I just think he can be disruptive in this game, especially in the run game. I think he's certainly been a Ravens killer, as I think of him in, in terms of past years. All right, outstanding, Mike. Just great stuff, great detail. Always that that amount of knowledge that we want on this show. Talk about scheme, not just players. That's fantastic. Uh, tell folks once again where they can find your work. You can find me at Bengals underscore Sands on Twitter for my content. There'll be a lot of clips up. And then it's always game day in Cincinnati if you want to listen to any of the podcast. All right, great stuff. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. Uh, looking for that 25-minute topic. It doesn't have to be analytics. It can be anything you're passionate about. I'd love to talk to you, and I'll get back to you very quickly. Mike, thanks again for coming on. Thank you for having me. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study.
know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.